We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I hope you had a great weekend. Not just a good weekend, but a great weekend. And we are ready to rock and roll, lock and load. A lot to cover. I'm trying to move some papers here on my desk. Get the desk straightened up. Uh, All right. In a few moments, we will talk with Tony Lyons. Tony Lyons is the editor, excuse me, the publisher and president of Skyhorse Publishing. Skyhorse Publishing is a publishing house that is pretty cool. Edgy publishes conservative books, actually publishes just books and takes some chances. Woody Allen's book they published. They published uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book, uh, two of them now, and there's another one coming, I think. And just very cool guy, Tony, Tony Lyons. I was riffing off the fact that there was a, um, a, a liberal, a crazy left wing, uh, Boston, uh, Boston, London host who said, Oh, I like to have conservatives on. It's just hard to get them, hard to find them. And, uh, Tony Lyons has, has called that out and said this crazy talk. Also, we will talk. It's silly season. It would be silly if it weren't so dangerous. It is silly season across the country, states. And local jurisdictions will experiment with direct democracy, which means that some Yahoo will put on your ballot, usually pay a lot of money, Soros or somebody, the Chamber of Commerce, perhaps, and they will try to uh, change the law in your state. And usually it's the Constitution, not just the laws. So in Michigan, they're trying to change the Constitution so you can abort your baby up until the ninth month of birth. In lots of places, they'll do tax increases and bond issuances and things like that. Direct democracy. Uh, the, the reason it's so bad is because mob rule is not a good idea. But more importantly, what you end up with is people getting uh, misled by what's happening on the ballots. That's what's happening in Missouri. We'll talk with Dr. Mary Byrne about what is happening there because there is an initiative. It's got 27 pages a constitutional amendment up in November. And in the midst of it, it looks like it's for medical marijuana or something, healthcare. In the midst of you discover it's got CRT, inclusion officers and other requirements of the crazed movement. So uh, we will hear from Mary Byrne. All right, but before that, what you need to know, I'm going to link two things together that you don't think I can do. The big news out of Italy is that the, New prime minister will be a woman named Georgia Maloney. And Georgia Maloney heads up, heads up the uh, a political party called Fratelli, the brothers, brothers of Italy. And, uh, and the brothers party, Fratelli, is the residual from 100 years ago of the Mussolini party. And so the media is going crazy on that. But that's not what's important. What you need to know is Georgia Maloney and two other coalition partners. So let me pause. In Italy, they have many parties, five, six, seven, eight parties. And you actually run to uh, for the election and say who you're going to work with. So in this case, Georgia Maloney 
who has her party, the Vertelli, has about 26 percent. They're running with two other parties that are bringing a, a total of 20 more percent. That gets them to 46 percent or so. But more importantly, that gets them the majority in the House of Delegates and also the Senate. And so the, this center right or conservative coalition ran and it is winning and she will become the prime minister. Now, how did that happen? Four years ago, Georgia Maloney and her party in the national election received 4% of the vote. Now they're receiving 26%. Why? This is how you can get to America. It's because she stayed out of power. Her other two coalition partners, one headed by Berlusconi, a businessman, and the other headed by Salvini, a uh, political figure, those two went into the partnership of the previous governments over the last four years, and they were a mess. And so Georgia Maloney's party stayed outside and they said, we don't want any part of this. This is a disaster. And because they were the opposition, they weren't in power. They weren't able to uh, uh, be in power and influence things at all, which you say, well, that's four years in the wilderness. Yeah, but it didn't put any taint on them. It made it so the, the people looked up and they said, we need somebody on our side that isn't compromised, that isn't broken, that isn't part of the swamp in Rome in this case. And uh, and that's what Georgia Maloney is. Now, what's what's wonderful about it is she's very conservative. She's pro family. She's anti all the wokeness. She's pro life. So she's a wonderful figure. She's about 45 years old. She's a uh, I don't know if she I I guess I guess you have to say she's attractive. She's not my style. She's got uh, blondish hair and uh, but she's got a lot of charisma. That's for sure. And so what you need to know, here's the connection. In America, don't be fooled by any of the pollsters or pundits who are saying it's going to be close. In America, one party nationally has had all the power. It's the Democrats. They've had the House, the Senate, and the presidency. And the American people have been looking up and saying, oh, my gosh, what a disaster that is. That is a full-on disaster. We don't want that. Just like Georgia Maloney's party was out of power, therefore not to be blamed, the Republican Party at the national level, the federal, uh, the national races, the federal races, the House and Senate are not in power. And the people know that. And then there's no one to blame except Biden and the Democrats. And they are going to get pummeled, pummeled. So just as brava, brava, Georgia, brava, Georgia Maloney surged because she was the opposition. She was outside saying this is a disaster for four years. Whoever came in, I think they had three different coalition governments formed. Georgia Maloney stayed outside and said, our party for telly, we can't stand this. This is terrible for this is terrible for Italy. It's terrible for the people. It's terrible for the rule of law. Same thing right now. Don't believe it. There is there is some coverage now. They're saying, well, the pollsters are not sure if their polls are wrong again. They've not fixed anything since 2020 or 2016. I've told the story a thousand times. I'll tell it again. In the weeks before the 2016 election, people would come to me and say, Ed Martin, you are the former chairman of the Missouri Republican Party. Can you please tell us? It looks close. Will Trump hold on in Missouri? He's only winning, leading by four points, maybe three. And I said, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. I I can tell you that in Missouri, I know it pretty well. He's going to win by a lot more. He won by 19. He won by 19. I was actually in New York City for the celebration with Trump, his party. 
I did interviews on Times Square with Sky News and Fox and everybody. I kept repeating that. That was the story. So what you need to know today is part of politics is who's in power pays a price for failure. In the case of Italy, they failed. In the case of America, the Democrats are failing. The Democrats will be pummeled in November. Uh, unless they steal it. But I don't think they will. All right, I got to run. We'll be back. Tony Lyons in a moment and Mary Byrne. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Our next guest, uh, he's been a pretty, pretty frequent guest with us here, is uh, Tony Lyons. He's the uh, publisher and the founder of Skyhorse uh, Publishing. And uh, he is, uh, well, in his previous life, he's been an attorney, too. We won't hold that against him. But for since 2006, Skyhorse uh, has been publishing lots of good folks. Skyhorsepublishing.com. What, trig- what triggered me, what, <laughs> what caught my attention to get you on, Tony, is you have had voices that you've published and I can say them and that everybody, when I say these names, everybody will have a feeling and opinion. Woody Allen, Alan Dershowitz, Philip Roth, and especially Bobby Kennedy Jr. It, it, left and right, have an opinion, have a feeling and all that. And I was smiling because one of our mutual friends sent an email and said, you know, there's this British uh, host. He hosts a TV show and he said, boy, I sure would like to have more uh, balanced conversations, but it's hard to find conservative guests. Well, you don't have to look very far if you actually just get out. So first of all, welcome back, Tony. How are you? Great. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, that's a ridiculous comment. There's so many people who would love to go on. So that's a choice that he's making not to have people on. And he's just trying to sort of uh, change the argument somehow. Yeah. Well, and but here's the thing about it is that in a weird way, um, I, I often go back to this, Tony. There was an essay that Valak Havel, the, the late um, Czech Republic president, wrote when he was just a dissident. The Iron Curtain was still uh, uh, down over the Czech Republic, what would be it. And he wrote an essay called The Power of the Powerless. And what he talked about was that over time, people don't even, they're not even sure why they're complying with sort of the voices. And his example is a grocer who puts a sign up that says, uh, uh, workers of the world unite. And he said, you know, you don't put that up because you actually believe that. And you don't put it up for a specific reason like you're told you have to. It's kind of a this sort of virtue signaling and you don't even realize it. I wonder some of these people that are kind of brainwashed, not kind of, they're brainwashed by the New York Times and CNN, and they don't actually understand there's other voices. It's like a, it stuns them when they hear that there's other voices. Or or do you think, like you just said, that these people know and they're conscious about it? Uh, I I think that they're very conscious. I mean, that there have there've been a lot of strategies that have been used over the last couple of years to skew all of the conversations and all of the arguments to specific answers. And I and I think that it's it's totally disingenuous to to say that they're not conservative voices, that there's not a wide variety of voices willing to to speak in, in all of these kinds of issues. You know, there are a ton of people, but they've been deplatformed, they've been vilified, they've had hit pieces written. So, you know, that's the real story. The story isn't that there's any shortage of people willing to talk. 
Uh, skyhorsepublishing.com is the website. We're talking with Tony Lyons, who is the president and the publisher there, the founder of the, the uh, entity. Um, do the do the books sell? I'm looking at your website. Robert Malone, I, mean, I, I know what you're going to say. You're a businessman. You don't do this for fun. But like Dr. Malone, he, he, he wrote a book, one of yours, Lies My Government Told Me and The Better Future Coming. He is the people that know him just they totally are uh, drawn to him. Does does that sell? And if it does sell, why doesn't the media realize there's a half the country that would want to watch and want to buy this? Yeah. So, you know, a a book like that is going to sell really, really well. And if The New York Times was honest, it would be a top New York Times bestseller. (laughs) Right. So. You know what what the what the New York Times does and what lots of other newspapers do, what lots of TV shows do is they exclude people on every level. So they don't allow advertising. They take you off the bestseller list, even if your book has sold better than other books. You know, they don't review the book. Um, So there's a whole sort of set of of levels of censorship. So when the real Anthony Fauci came out, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book, uh, simultaneously, there was a, a document that was published by the Surgeon General. It came out at almost the same time, and it was called Confronting Health Misinformation. And in that document, they talk about the, the difficulty at this particular time of finding ways to stop confusion, that they don't want people to be confused. They don't want them to see misinformation. So they're going to make it all really easy for us. And then they lay out this 22-page sort of protocol of how they're going to control what people think, what they do, what they read. And it it sounds nice. You know, it, it sounds like they're trying to protect us. But, you know, the fascinating thing is that they don't even define misinformation in this. So it's page after page of all of their strategies that they're going to use things like they're going to partner with big tech companies to take likes off or to make the algorithms steer people towards other things to uh, put uh, redirections in the algorithm so that if you're trying to find the real Anthony Fauci, they'll send you to the CDC website. Uh, they'll never recommend a book that they disagree with. So what's happened is that the word misinformation, right. like words, you know, conspiracy theory, have been kind of uh, weaponized to discredit anybody who they disagree with. Our guest is Tony Lyons, and uh, he, you know he, he'd, he'd be the one that would know how this works. He's, he's the publisher and the uh, president of Skyhorse Publishing. But like the real Anthony Fauci by Bobby Robert, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., that, that sold a gazillion copies, right? I mean, I think you told me once, or maybe he did. I mean, everybody wanted that one, even the people disagreed with him. So again, I, it's, it's surprising to me that in an industry where it's tough to make it, that there's not more people who are saying, hey, I just want to make some money. Yes, what's what's fascinating here is is how how strongly some people felt. But when right. you look at New York Times treated this book where they it was the best selling book in the country, they listed it as number seven on their bestseller list. They refused to accept an advertisement that they could have made a bunch of money on. They uh, wrote a hit piece against the author. I mean, just you know everything they could do 
to dissuade people from reading this book. And so many other places did that. And so many bookstores wouldn't carry it and libraries wouldn't carry it. But your point is is a strong one, that more than a million people actually bought the book. <laughs> yeah. So the question, you know, would it have been 10 million? Right. You know, if these, you know, if these methods hadn't been used, you know, and and what they did is, you know, and, and this is a branch of government, you know, that's sort of coming out and saying that they're going to protect you from false, inaccurate, misleading information. But to my knowledge, nobody there, nobody who's part of these programs reads the book um, sort of analyzes any of the information in it. They just make an arbitrary decision that it's bad for people to have this information. And what they're really trying to do is steer you in a specific direction for a specific reason. So that's what this is all about. So, you know, misinformation, when it is defined uh, with respect to uh, medical information, has been defined as anything that contradicts what the government says. So... If that's really happening and it sure looks like it is, you know, that's just medical fascism. That's not anybody trying to protect you from anything. That's them trying to protect themselves, in some cases, potentially from prosecution. Um, Tony Lyons, our guest, the president and uh, the founder of Skyhorse Publishing, skyhorsepublishing.com. Um, do you watch, uh, uh, I mean, you, you must, you're a media guy and a publisher and all. Um, CNN has seemingly they've tried to maybe get a little less insane, like they've broken a little bit. Um, so different kind of question, though, that I wondered your observation. The, the the cable companies were only relevant when they had Trump on. I mean, they loved it. They played his his, his um, rallies, you know, gavel to gavel, for lack of a better term, because people watched. They wanted eyeballs. Um, is is that likely? I mean, well, secretly, are they rooting for Trump to run because covering him is better for the bottom line? Do you think? Yeah, I would think that they certainly love to hate him. I mean, if you look at where the New York Times was before Trump, you know, they were they were doing really badly. I mean, they were trying to get money from anybody. They were on the <laughs> verge. And then Trump came along and they just loved to hate him. I mean, they were just making a fortune on their coverage of how terrible Trump was. Mm -hmm. So you know, that was, you know, so their their methods of sort of stoking hatred and fear, um, but not really having much hard an analysis of these issues. And when it comes to books like the real Anthony Fauci or like Malone's Lies My Government Told Me, you can bet that there'll be no analysis of the book itself. There'll be no review of it, you know, nothing that tells any reader what's in the book. They'll just say that it's false and misleading and that you shouldn't read it. Mm. It is amazing. Uh, it's amazing to see. All right, Tony Lyons, as always, thank you. Hey, anything you can, I always like to do this to guests, anything upcoming that's uh, going to be breaking out of Skyhorse that you can tease or anybody you're trying to get, uh, you know, Donald Jr.'s newest book or something. I, I like the Manafort book. Uh, Skyhorse Publishing also published uh, Manafort's book. Uh, I like that one. Uh, let yeah, me get the political political prisoner uh, persecuted prosecuted and not si uh, but not silence that was a good one anything you can tease for us sure so uh robert f kennedy's new book is coming out in the oh. late and it's called the wuhan cover-up wow and, and i suspect that that book is part of the reason that dr fauci de decided to retire mm. that you know 
if he had to face the allegations in that book and, and in the prior book, you know, as a government official, he can't take the fifth amendment. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. So if he retires, you know, and these allegations become public, then I think he's just going to take the fifth. Wow. Well, that's a good one. That's coming out when? When did you say, Tony? Uh, that's going to come out in the late fall, late November, maybe early December. Okay, good deal. All right. Tony Lyons, everybody, skyhorsepublishing.com. Thanks, Tony, for the time. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right. We'll take a break, everybody, and we'll be right back. I'll put it all up on social media. That's a big story right there. That's big news that uh, another Bobby Kennedy book coming out about Fauci. Um, I think that will get some attention. I have to say it seems likely. All right. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, and we are on with Dr. Mary Byrne. Dr. Mary Byrne is a longtime educator for a couple of decades. She has, for probably about 10 years, been one of the voices in Missouri uh, identifying what's happening in education. At one point, it was particularly focused on opposing Common Core and all of its uh, iterations, which um, a lot of the iterations, even to this day, uh, you hear about things like CR. RT and others are really all uh, part and parcel of the same thing. So uh, Dr. Mary Byrne spoke uh, last uh, weekend or so at the uh, Eagle Council and has been a great voice on this. Welcome back, Dr. Byrne. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm well. Thanks. Well, so I wanted to ask you about we, we were exchanging texts on this, that there is an amendment in the Missouri in a, in the, for the Missouri um, election, a, a, a ballot, a measure, um, an amendment. And we'll talk about it in a second. But before we talk specifically about what this is doing, what is the. Um, is this the new path? Uh, I mean, in other words, in some parts of the let's be clear about it. In in the history of politics, you go back to 2004, Karl Rove uh, helped put on the ballot in a bunch of states a, uh, a marriage amendment that people were voting to protect the sanctity of marriage between a man and a woman. It was an election turnout uh, effort. When in the last few years you saw people put on the ballot, sometimes um, photo ID to try to vote for uh, a, uh, a photo ID requirement for elections in Michigan. Michigan, we have had guests on the program who talked about using uh, the ballot initiative to put an amendment in the Constitution to protect abortion up until the last day of birth, uh, before birth. So, in other words, the ballot initiative is being used lots of places. Has it come to education? Have we been doing it in education? Is this a way around the parents motivated in school boards? What, uh, broadly speaking, not just in Missouri, is the ballot initiative the new way for uh, this uh, education policy to be passed? Not just education, but as you described with other issues as well, the elites have figured out that all you need to do is is buy um, the ballot with money. Mm. So it, where it's difficult to get through uh, individual state legislators, some of their agenda, they decided that they could just bypass the legislature by using the petition by uh, abusing the petition initiative a case in point was the medicaid expansion here in missouri a couple of years ago what happened was uh california money it was actually healthcare union hmm. uh money uh solicited the services of a virginia um campaign issue organizing uh, organization. They targeted just five counties 
in Missouri, but it was the, the five counties in uh, St. Louis, Kansas City, and Springfield that had the huge hospital uh, populations. And then what they did was this uh, campaign to get out the vote among the hospital personnel. And, and I was told by people who worked in hospitals that they used the, communica the internal communication system to get out the vote. Hmm with uh, hospital personnel. So while the rest of, of Missouri, sleep, sleepy rural Missouri, didn't um, didn't counterbalance the big city vote, those right. five counties carried the Medicaid expansion in this state. But again, it was all organized by out-of-state Congress. Uh, so now we're looking, in the, in, and coming up in November, uh, um, Amendment 3. And oh. Amendment 3, what is it positioned as? Because it's page 27 of the Amendment 3 proposal reveals that it's all the old CRT stuff. But what, it's, mm -hmm. what is it positioned? Before we get to what, what's in this uh, uh, description that you sent me that we could talk about, what are they trying to say it is? If you just read the first paragraph in the title, what is it like, you know, giving your kids uh, the Greatest Education Act, or what, what do they call it? What are they trying to spin it as? No, uh, it's very interesting. What this, what they are saying it is, is an amendment to an existing Article 14, Section 1. So now what they're doing is amending language within that Section 1 that was already passed to um, legitimize medical marijuana. Oh. Now this Section 2 is expanding that that uh, law and uh, to include recreational marijuana, but that's always the way it works, isn't it? Hmm. You get the you get the foot in the door and then you open the door wider. So this this initiative, this amendment three, is about medical marijuana. Uh, it's about expanding medical marijuana so that the Department of Health and Human uh, Health and Senior Services in this state will now regulate recreational marijuana. And uh, and they always couch it in terms of this kind of humanitarian uh, narrative in that we're gonna be helping veterans, we're gonna be expunging the records of, of minorities who, or people of color who uh, have a disproportionate n number of arrests because of nonviolent marijuana, either dealing or use. Uh, and uh, we're going to uh, supplement the public defenders with with uh, proceeds from the sale of marijuana. Okay, so I was totally confused. I actually, this is a perfect example. I, assu I assumed this was an education boondoggle. Your, your point here is it's, this is a, this is a, a, and within this now would be constitutional uh, provisions that mandate chief equity officers and public education programs. Is that, so tell me what you're seeing when you finally, when this was flagged for you. And that's all part of it is that what, what you have now is um, a vehicle for basically outflanking what the education uh, activists have been trying to do to raise awareness about critical race theory being uh, inconsistent with the American with the American and with the state constitution. So, if you can't have it in the schools, what we can do is we can um, set up 
a different public forum for talking about the disproportionate representation of people in color, of color in the justice system. Okay, that's all part of, of their narrative as well. Okay. Not just in school, okay? So in school, the disproportion comes with school discipline uh, frequency. They, they say is more, is higher with, with students of color than children who are white. And so that's, you're familiar as an attorney yeah. with the phrase disparate impact. Yep, yep. That's what they're saying is going on in school discipline. It's disparate impact. So we have to change the discipline policies so that whiteness becomes the, uh, you might say, the uh, axis for determining disproportion of children being referred for discipline. It's the same idea here. They're saying there's a disproportionate referral of people of color to the judicial system and prison for handling marijuana, whether as a personal user or, or as a dealer. So now what we're going to do is we're going to uh, eliminate this, this disparate impact. Um, and, and that's where the CRT comes in. It's critical race theory, not just embedded in, in the school culture, but now the culture at large. Um, and uh, Before, but now, now you now we're talking with Dr. Mary Byrne. Now you actually track this. This is your you're an interest. You've been interested in education and education policy. Did you know that this was in here? I mean, were you were you aware of it in, in, before it was flagged for you? Actually, it was the people at uh, the Missouri Constitutional Conservatives PAC who have an outstanding website explaining the sneaky use of terms. Hmm. Um, wow. This uh, it was flagged for me by somebody saying you need to look at this and i did and i didn't see it right away because i didn't see anything about schools in here as a matter of fact it prohibits people from under 21 uh engaging in in this but then when when it was pointed out to me this equity officer it's really um um sanctioning tyranny because this equity officer is appointed by the department, not the governor. So there's no Senate confirmation or citizen oversight. And there's specific language in here that says legislators, once this thing is passed, legislators can't mess with it. Wow. Uh, They can't make any changes or try to um, limit the the function or role of this equity officer. And then what they say, again, hitting on this disparate impact idea, Right. uh, what we're going to do is we're going to create a grant system so that people of color can have, um, you might say, uh, selective um, representation as, as entrepreneurs in this new industry. You know, um, the thing about it that uh, is interesting, I I mean, as a pullback and look at it is um, how they can't win on the front end. Right. They can't win the argument. Um, But, you know, you can imagine if this passed, there would be law firms and uh, and entities that would come in and sue to protect it. Then you'd be four judges. Right. You'd be in front of judges who say it's in the Constitution. I mean, that's the the sort of game. And and by saying even legislators can't go mess with it, um, it's sort of uh, trying to kind of put it off limits. It's um, is 
I'm talking with Dr. Mary Byrne about education, about this issue in Missouri. How dramatic is the acceleration of the CRT movement? And and when I say that, what I mean is you and I, you mentioned over the weekend, last weekend, you were saying, you know, uh, some of the goals of this kinds of thing. And Phyllis, late Phyllis Laffer used to say this. It's always it's been the same for 40 years. I mean, longer than that in some ways. But there's certainly the common core and all these standards and all these things. Um, but is it accelerating? It's not decelerating, right? Even though people are mad about it and their school board races they're winning, it's not slowing the people who are doing it, is it or is it? As long as you have the Obama-Biden administration in place, you're seeing an acceleration because they know their time is limited. Hmm. And the whole point of critical race theory is to criticize the U.S. Constitution. That's where they differ from traditional civil rights movement left uh, led by leaders such as Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King said, what we want is the is for America to be real for everybody. You have not yet extended full coverage of the the uh, meaning of the Constitution to all people in this country. Okay, right. so he's looking for the founding documents to apply to all. Critical race theory theorists um, from the legal schools that that um, actually that uh, Obama attended, like Harvard, right. <laughs> they say the Constitution. It's it's impossible to uh, believe that. The U.S. Constitution would apply to everybody. We don't believe in colorblindness. So now we're not after equality. We're after power. And um, Richard Delgado, one of the founders of critical race theory, specifically says that in his book. It's about shifting power. It's not about extending equality. Hmm. And, and in doing so, what they're doing is giving preferential treatment to the groups they have identified as oppressed, meaning people of color. It is. Um, well, it's amazing. Well, thank you for flagging it and, and sending it to me to talk about. It. And I think in every in every part of the country, every state is facing different kinds of challenges. But this is uh, certainly a, an example of, uh, of another one. So thanks very much, Mary. We'll talk again very soon. All right. Thanks for having me. You're welcome, Dr. Mary Byrne, everybody. And I will put up on social media a link to some of these things. I've been doing some research on it and we will uh, talk more track. it. these are the kinds of things that are happening. Uh, I forget um, right now off the top of my head who was saying uh, something about be careful about direct democracy recently, because these are the kinds of ways you get misled about what's happening is some, you know, 27 pages of explanations. So, all right, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. We'll be back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, the conservative pro-family broadcast of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a leading voice for the sanctity of life, traditional education, the Constitution, and American sovereignty. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Promises are easy to make and often hard to keep, especially in politics. If you don't believe me, just ask Greg Landsman, who's a Democrat running for Congress in Ohio's 1st District. Incredibly, Landsman not only has a habit of making promises he can't keep, but even bragging about them afterwards. As part of his campaign, he boasted that he was one of the driving forces behind Cincinnati's Preschool Promise Initiative, which was a promise that preschool teachers would be paid $15 per hour if voters would increase property taxes. The measure passed, but voters did not get what they bargained for. 
Instead of $15 per hour wages for preschool teachers, the people of Cincinnati funded six-figure salaries for executives. Interestingly, Landsman quickly became a paid consultant for the government program after convincing taxpayers to create it. Six years later, Greg Landsman is doing quite well for himself. After deriving personal gain from his broken promise for preschool teachers, he went on to successfully run for Cincinnati's city council before launching his current campaign for Congress. Now he's trotting out his past experience with preschool promise as evidence that he cares about children to provide cover for his radical views on transgenderism and education. The teachers' unions work in lockstep with Democrats like Landsman to secure their own cut of government funds by portraying themselves as the voice of America's teachers. If you're a teacher and you think Democrats or teachers' unions are looking out for you, think again. They don't have your best interests at heart, and they certainly aren't looking out for the students either. Hardworking public school teachers are not the enemy of the conservative movement. Conservatives want to give teachers the opportunity to do what you love, to see the spark of joy in a student's eyes when he learns something new, or to watch a student become empowered by the ability to read. Cutting out bureaucracy and federal oversight means more money to pay teachers well and to serve students well too. Let's take the politics out of the classroom so students and teachers can both get back to the way things were meant to be. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. What's the best way to rekindle the spirit of Phyllis Schlafly and the grassroots movement she energized? In this digital age, patriots and pro-family Americans can find insight and inspiration on our website, phyllisschlafly.com. Then, share your own heart and mind on social media. So join us at phyllisschlafly.com and every weekday for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Just got a couple minutes here today to finish up. And uh, let me say, uh, first of all, it is um, this is really uh, important. I'm, I'm coming to this just for a few moments today, but I promise to come back and uh, at greater length, I will cover this. Um, this is about four years ago. I started looking closely at what I called Eagle Ed Index. The Eagle Ed Index of economic uh, success of what's happening. And I take four categories, four categories of economic indicators and look at them and tell you where we are as a country. Unemployment, the, the unemployment tells you about individual workers. Small business confidence tells you about how small businesses work. Consumer confidence tells you about families and what people are doing in terms of spending. And then Wall Street the Dow Jones Industrial Average. So if you take those four, you take unemployment, that's the individual job. You take uh, small business, the NFIB does a survey on small business confidence that tells you about businesses. The majority of businesses in the country are not big corporations, so they're small businesses. The third one is consumer confidence, and the fourth one is Wall Street uh, in the form of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Let's get you big business. That's big, big multinational business. In America right now, I went looking last night, 
Unemployment is low, but it's weird unemployment, right? You can't get the jobs. The low income jobs can't be filled and the wages aren't going up. We have a problem. I'm not sure what to make of that. I haven't heard many good explanations. But the second category, of course, Wall Street, uh, Dow Jones, way down, way down, brutal. But here's what I knew I'd find. Consumer confidence and small business confidence are at record lows. Consumer confidence, record lows, but more importantly to me, uh, small business confidence at a record low. In other words, small business, big business, and individuals, families are all in the tank. They're all going in the wrong direction. And somehow unemployment is not, and we don't know what to make of it. The Eagle Index of Economic Prosperity, the Eagle Index of Economic Performance, it's a better phrase for it, is a disaster. And it's, again, an indication that Biden will be pummeled at the polls and his party will be destroyed at the polls. It's coming, folks. You cannot expect, you cannot do this to the people and expect to do well. All right, we got to run. Speaking of expecting to do well, a big week for my old friend Noah Dingley, our producer. What a great guy. He deserves joy and happiness. He's going to get it. And also thank you him. Thank him for this great production on the show. Uh, Joanna Spilger, our associate producer, deserves our thanks, too. We will be back tomorrow. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. America Report on The Answer, San Diego.